Well, come on, Rock City Church, somebody make some noise like you're glad to be the church today. Come on. Come on, we can praise in a pandemic. Come on. God is good, amen. God is good, amen. Well, worship team, thank you for your awesome worship. Thank you, those of you joining us from your living rooms, from your prison cell. We have 16 prisons joining us today. I want to welcome all of you joining us at the multiple uh, facilities that are joining us right now, the nursing home facilities that are joining us right now. Hey, can you just listen to me right now? You have not been forgotten. We are praying for you. We are standing with you. As a matter of fact, right now, I just want to say, Jesus, by the mighty power of your Holy Spirit, would you make yourself overwhelmingly known right now to every person watching in the nursing homes, in the prison cells, in the living rooms, because there's some people in living rooms right now, but you feel like you're in a prison cell. May you fill every heart and every home with peace and may courage begin to rise in our hearts this moment in Jesus name everybody said amen well you might say amen out loud in your living room you might type amen at the text box come on somebody you can put your physical hands together you can put your digital hands together if you believe that we serve a good God we are so glad that you've chosen to join us today. We're starting a brand new series right now called Faith Forward. How to live a faith forward life in a fear-filled world. And I, I don't know if there's ever been a more timely message than this one right here. When every headline tells us that we ought to be afraid. When there is more fear and worry and uncertainty in the world than maybe ever before, at least in our lifetimes, when, when people are shutting themselves up in homes, not because they're high risk, but because they're afraid. Many of you, you're afraid. And fear is a very real and powerful thing. I understand that there are times in my life when I've been afraid. But I think it's time we begin to address this spirit of fear that has taken hold of not just na this nation, but of the entire world. This, this spirit of fear that has taken hold of so many hearts and homes, and I hate to break it to you, but this spirit of fear will not be broken by vaccine, but by the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. And as his church begins to rise up in faith, in Jesus' name. You see, what happens is, if it's not this, it's something. I was just telling my girls a, a few days ago about the Y2K bug. They, they, they weren't, they're, not, they're not old enough to, to know that, but I was telling them that, you know, when, when, when the year 1999 was about to become the year 2000, everybody thought the world was going to end then. And, and it seems like every year or every other year, there's something new that causes people to fear, like everything's going to stop right here and now. It's been anthrax, and it's been West Nile, and it's been the bird flu, the swine flu, your flu, my flu. It's all supposed to kill us all. 
And then we've worried about ISIS and Ebola and North Korea and SARS and global warming. You name it, the list goes on and on. It's all supposed to kill us all. But can I tell you, church, the one thing that's going to kill you faster than anything is fear, worry, anxiety. And that what our world needs right now is not something new to fear. We need God more than anything. Come on. We need his presence, his power. Because without God, we have every reason to fear. Without God, there's reason to worry. Without God, there's reason to live life without hope. But thank God, we don't have to live without him. We've got his word to guide us. We've got his spirit inside us to make us strong. His presence that surrounds us. We've been given the hope of heaven. We've been given the promise of eternal life. We've been given the incredible gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I've just come to tell you today that my God is bigger than anything that you could ever be afraid of. My God is bigger than pandemics. Come on. My God is bigger than sickness and disease. My God is bigger than any financial fallout could ever be. My God is bigger than depression and worry. He's bigger than any and every storm we will ever face this side of heaven. He's bigger than my sin and your sin. He's bigger than our faulty faith. He's bigger than mental illness. He's bigger than everything. There is no thing that you could ever fear that God is not bigger than. That's why in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, it says this, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, for those of you who've been used to joining us, you know that for the past eight weeks we've been talking about prayer. We've been learning how to pray. We've studied the Lord's Prayer. But how many of you know it's not just part of the word that I'm called to live out. It's all the word I'm called to live out. And so there's a part of this passage we've not gotten to yet. Because you can pray but still be bound with fear. You can pray but still be worried. You can pray but stay shut up in your home for the rest of your life to not worry about anything takes faith. And that's what we're going to talk about these next few weeks. We're going to learn how to worry about nothing. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. When you choose to worry about nothing and you pray about everything. According to, to research, we, we really only are born with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Every other fear is, is learned, it's acquired, it's passed down, it's, it's picked up. When I was little, I was afraid of the dark, like most kids are afraid of the dark. And I had a room that was joined to my parents' room by a walk-in, walk-through closet. Now, how many of you know that was good for me, not so good for mom and dad? Come on, somebody. But that's the way it was. My room was joined to their room by a walk-in, walk-through closet. And one night, I woke up and I was afraid of the dark. And so I decided to make my way to my parents' room through the walk-in, walk-through closet. But what happened is because it was dark, I walked into the doorpost. And I, I hit the wall. 
And all I would have had to do is, is make a, a simple shift to the left and I could have walked right through the doorway and into their room. That's where I was supposed to be. But instead of shifting left, I shift right further into the closet and I hit the wall again. And then I shifted right again and I, I hit the wall. And, and before you know it, I'm, I'm hitting the wall. It seems like everywhere that I turn, I'm hitting something and I'm all wrapped up in my parents' wardrobe until finally in the back of the closet, completely trapped and afraid, I begin to cry out in fear and my parents wake up and they turn on the lights and they find me in the back of their closet. And I discovered something new that day, something new to be afraid of. I'm also now afraid of small, tight, dark spaces. That's why you ain't ever going to see me crawl in no crawl space in anybody's home. Come on, somebody. I'll send my kids into that crawl space. I'll send my wife into that crawl space, but I'm not going in that crawl space. You ain't getting me into that crawl space. And I know some of you, 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 you would look at that and, and you would say, that is such an irrational fear. That is such an unnecessary thing to be afraid of. What could happen in a cross space besides a, a spider crawling on you? That's why I won't go into the cross space. I'm afraid of spiders too. And it's so unnecessary. Why would you be afraid of that? Listen, your fear is unnecessary. Just like my fear is unnecessary. All fear is unnecessary. And irrational. When you learn to put your faith in a God who is bigger than anything we could ever possibly be afraid of. And if you don't believe me, can I just ask you to give me the next few weeks to prove it to you? That whatever it is you're afraid of, not only is it irrational, but it is completely and totally unnecessary. Because God is bigger than. And it doesn't make you wrong to be afraid of something. It just makes you human. Not a single man or woman who's ever been greatly used by God was without fear. We, we all need to learn to overcome this thing called fear. You look at the more than 200 people in the Bible that God used, every single one of them had to learn to overcome fear. If you're afraid of getting sick, that doesn't make you wrong. It makes you human. If you're afraid of losing somebody that you love, it doesn't make you wrong. It makes you alive. You might be afraid of losing your business or, or losing your retirement or, or losing your mind. My wife, when I first met her, she was afraid that one day she'd go crazy. And I, I keep telling her, baby, you've not completely gone crazy yet, right? <laughs> At least not completely. That's a joke. I was just seeing if you were paying attention, baby, not even close. You're not even a little bit there yet. Come on, somebody. Not even, you'll, you'll never be there, baby. I promise you, you'll never be there. Some people are afraid of rejection. Some people are afraid to fail. But can I tell you, whatever it is you're afraid of, it is unnecessary. When you compare that thing that you're afraid of to the mighty God that we serve, See, here's what we've got to learn to reconcile when it comes to fear is the command to fear not shows up more than 300 times in the Bible. It is the most frequently used command given by God. Notice it's not a suggestion, it's a command. And apparently, according to the word of God, fear doesn't hold on to me so long as I choose not to hold on to it. So I can choose to be afraid or I can choose to trust the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 3, theme verse for this series. Trust in the Lord. Decide to trust in the Lord. And do good. Dwell in the land. And enjoy safe pasture. 
Some translations say live in the land and enjoy safe pasture, which means as you live, as you learn to trust God, as you progress in life, as you prosper in life, as you, as you contribute to the world around you, the Lord himself will protect and provide and, and care for you, but it's your decision to trust him to dwell in the land, to live in the land, to prosper, to thrive, or it's just as much your choice to remain sidelined and bound because of fear. Over the next eight weeks or so, we're going to unpack some very specific and really understandable fears, unnecessary but understandable, the the fear of sickness and disease. We're going to talk about that next week. The fear of failure. The fear of death, the fear of financial fallout, despair, the fear of man, the the fear of depression and mental illness, the fear of unknown trouble on the horizon. I'm afraid to step because I don't know what's really out there waiting for me. And and week by week, we're going to unpack some of the very specific fears that I feel like we all deal with this side of heaven. And and really, maybe for the first time in in our lives, we might be dealing with almost all of these simultaneously. Today, what I want to do is I want to kind of just unpack for you, lay down a bit of foundation when it comes to fear. And I want to give you four main points, four things that I think we all need to understand when it comes to fear. Four things. Number one, it's this, fear does not come from God. Fear is not a gift from God. Fear does not come from God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear does not come from God. So where does it come from? Sin. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, death spread to all men because all have sinned. And the fear of death is a significant fear. Again, we're going to talk about that in week four. What we've got to understand is sin has infected and affected everyone and everything. There is no one and there is nothing this side of heaven that works perfectly. My mind doesn't work perfectly, just like yours doesn't work perfectly. Our hearts don't work perfectly. This body doesn't work perfectly. Relationships don't work perfectly. The weather doesn't work perfectly because everything sin touches, it infects and it destroys. And we've got to deal with the impact of sin until Jesus returns and makes all things new. And he will return and he will make all things new. And heaven will be the home for those who've chosen to put their faith and trust in Jesus. But until then, we must deal with the imperfections of life. There is a cure for sin. There is forgiveness offered by God through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Anyone who wants to be forgiven will be forgiven the moment you ask him to forgive you. But we've still got to live in a world that is reeling with the consequence of sin. And fear is one of the great consequences of sin. Here's what else we need to understand about 
fear, and that is it's not faith or fear, and I'm not going to ask you to choose faith over fear. Fear is faith. It's faith in the wrong things. It's, it's faith in the what-ifs of life. See, it's not about choosing faith over fear. It's, it's about choosing where to put my faith. Fear is faith in the what-ifs of life. Fear is faith in the uncertainties of life. And so will I choose to put my faith in that which is certain, an ever-present, all-powerful, always faithful, ever-true, all-knowing, good, loving, mighty, strong God, or will I choose to put my faith in that which is uncertain, and whatever it is I'm afraid of? Fear is faith in the worst possible case scenario. Fear looks ahead and it comes up with the worst possible case scenario. And I, and I, 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 I was thinking about this because it, you think about it. Six months ago, if, if somebody were to ask you to come up with the worst possible case scenario for the world today, what would one of the things you might have come up with be? Probably a global pandemic. Come on. Think about it. Six months ago, if somebody were to ask you to describe a worst case scenario for the people on this planet, what would it be? Global pandemic would be pretty high. If not the top thing, it would be real near the top. And I would, I would suspect as bad as this global pandemic has been, and I'm not saying it's not been bad, and I'm not saying the death toll's not bad and all of that. I'm, I'm not saying that. But what I, what I want us to understand is we are right now living in what we would have called six months ago a worst-case scenario. Do you agree? We're living in it. And now that we're living in it, as bad as it's been, can I, can I just get somebody to agree with me today that what we'd have come up with six months ago, come on, right now, we'd be looking back and go, you know what, our projection was off. It's actually not as bad as we thought it would be. I'm not saying it's not bad. I'm just saying it could be worse. And my point is that we're living in one of those worst case possible scenarios, but a lot of us are living quite well. Most of us still have our health. And I know there's trouble and I know there's financial issues and I know people are getting sick. I'm not discounting it at all. I'm just saying if we really wanted to think about what this worst case scenario might be like, can, I, can we all agree we've not reached that worst case scenario yet? And what fear does is fear looks ahead and it comes up with the worst possible case scenario fear is fate and the what-ifs of life and most of the what-ifs of life never happen you look at the story of Moses God shows up and and uh, he, he he starts to speak to Moses through a burning bush and the Bible says the bush is on fire but the bush isn't burning up so that would freak you out right come on somebody I'd be afraid of the bush I'd be afraid in that moment. The bush is on fire, but there's no smoke. The leaves aren't withering, and God's speaking to me through a burning bush. And Moses knows he's talking to God, and God's talking to him because God has a way of revealing himself to us and making absolute sure we know who's talking. God knows that Moses knows it's God. Moses knows it's God. He, there, there's no question on his mind, and God is speaking to him through this bush, and he says, Moses, I've got a plan for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to tell him to let my people go. And then I'm going to use you to lead my people out of slavery in Egypt and into the land that I promised. And I'm going with you. And then God drops the mic. 
And what does Moses say? What is his response? Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Moses says, but what if I go to them and, and they don't believe me? What, what if they, they don't understand the, 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 this, this moment I'm having with you right now? What if they refuse? What if Pharaoh turns on me? What if I don't have what it takes? What if because I, 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 I don't speak, speak too good, God, you, 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 you know I'm a stutterer, God, and, and maybe if you're going to choose a mouth, peace. You, you, you would choose a better one. What if I, I can't do this thing that you're asking me to do? And here's what we learn about fear through this passage and every passage that, that fear is present. Number three, what I fear the most reveals what I value the most. So what does Moses value in this moment? He, he values the certainty of the outcome. He, he, he values his own personal safety. He, he values, Lord, before I step, what if they don't listen? I, I need you to guarantee me this outcome before I move. I'm afraid of, 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 of losing somebody's approval. I, I value other people's approval. I value certain outcomes. I, I value my own personal security. So, so Lord, if we can kind of hash this out, talk this out just a little bit. I'd like to ask you to consider whatever it is you're afraid of and what that fear might reveal to you about what you value the most. I fear getting sick. Well, maybe I value my health. That's not a bad thing. I fear losing somebody I love. Well, that makes sense. I love the people around me. I don't want to lose anybody that I love. I, I value them. That, 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 that's not a bad thing. I fear, I fear this financial fallout. Well, well I, I value the, the hard work that I put in and, 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 and the money that I've been able to make over these years and the retirement where it's been at up to this point. And, and I, that's something I value. I don't want to lose that right now. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But here's what else fear reveals. Number four, what I fear the most reveals where I trust God the least. So let me ask you this. If you're so afraid of getting sick that you're never going to leave your house until there's a cure, which Church, there may never be a cure for this. I just want you to know. And, and, and if, you're, if you're at high risk, you're extremely elderly, then be wise. Make the right decision. Stay home. That's good. Do the right thing. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that are going are, are gonna to stay stuck, trapped inside their homes, not because they're at high risk, but because they're afraid. So maybe you fear getting sick. Well, do you really trust that God is mighty and able to save and heal and deliver set free? You're so afraid of, of, of losing what's been built up in your retirement plan. Do you, do you really trust that God provides, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, that everything everywhere belongs to him, that he is good to fulfill his word, and, and he is faithful and true? Do you trust that God will honor his word when he's called you to live out that God-sized dream that's been in your heart for so long, but, but you've been afraid to step out and do it? 
Because you can't see all the steps. You only know the next step that he's calling you to take. Do you really trust that God is good and mighty and able and faithful and true? Trust in the Lord. Verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord and trust in him. See, one of the things I think we need to understand as a church is life doesn't stand still. And neither should we. And faith is not stagnant. Faith isn't still. Faith moves. Faith steps. Faith believes. Faith conquers. Faith lives. Faith defends. Faith produces. Faith does not hide, it does not cower, it does not fear, it does not worry. That's what fear does. And nothing will pin you to the wall faster than fear and keep you bound and stuck and unproductive and unfulfilled like fear will. And I want to say something to you today that it might not be something some of you want to hear today, but it's something I think that needs to be said today because I'm starting to worry that if we don't break this spirit of fear, at least over the church, this idea that we can't do anything until it's safe to do anything, that we can't go anywhere until it's safe to go anywhere. Church, it's never been safe to live your life. It's, it's God's plan has never been safe. Jesus never guaranteed safety. He's guaranteed salvation. Jesus said, in this world there will be trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I'm afraid this idea of we can't move forward until it's safe, we can't be productive until... It's safe. I'm afraid that 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 faulty mindset is, has taken such deep root in our city, in our state, in our nation and in our world that, that if we don't break this thing wide open as the church, we will never get out the mess we're in right now. It's never been safe to live God's calling for your life. It, listen, it, and it's not just started with this pandemic. It's, it's why we, we've got safe spaces on college campuses because we've got to keep our kids safe from, from points of view that might be different than what the professor teaches. Try to, try to keep everybody safe. Can't say what you want to say on social media anymore because it'll get taken down. It might offend somebody or make somebody feel unsafe. Got people who think that, that we're just going to ride this thing out and, and stay stuck forever until there's a cure when a cure may never come. We may never have a vaccine. And are we really going to stay stuck inside our homes until that happens? We've got to break this thing. And could we all agree, at least on this, that safer at home is pretty much always safer? Come on. In a pandemic or outside a pandemic, safer at home is almost always safer. Unless you slip and fall in the shower and hit your head, then, then, then outside would have been safer, right? Your house blows up because you got a gas leak. It would have been better to, 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 to be staying in the tree house than, than your actual house. But most of the time, safer at home is always true. But I've just come to tell you, church, it's, it's no way to live, dwell in the land and when you look at the people of Israel, I promise you there's a point to this. This isn't an unnecessary rant. There's a point to this. 
When you look at the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 14, they're doing the exact same thing. And faith forward, it's not about leaving your home, even though for some it might be. Maybe you're not scared at all right now of getting sick. Maybe you're not scared at all right now about leaving your home. But you're scared that you might live the entirety of your life and never know your purpose or live your purpose. Maybe you're scared you're letting your family down because you're not being the dad, the mom that you're called to be. Maybe you're, you're scared that you'll never pursue the God-sized dream that he's given you to pursue. Maybe you're scared that you're, you're too far gone to ever be forgiven. When you look at Exodus chapter 14, God's just come through on his word. He's, he's been with Moses just like he said he would. He's been with the people like he said he would. He's delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh. He's led them out of bondage in slavery. And at the first challenge they face, watch this. They're up against a Red Sea. It's too wide and too deep for them to pass. Pharaoh's done, changed his mind. He's, he's on his way back. They think to kill him. And here's their response, Exodus 14, verse 12. They say to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? They, they come across their first faith forward moment, opportunity. And they literally say to Moses, we, we would rather give up our freedom to be safe as slaves back in Egypt. We'd rather go back to where we were and live in bondage and be slaves to Pharaoh than face any amount of uncertainty that might possibly require faith forward decisions. Even though they just seen God do incredible, mighty miracles right in front of them. And I got to thinking about what we're, what we're experiencing right now. And, and the Lord spoke through my wife to me just a few weeks ago. As I was looking at the curve that's never been the curve. Come on, somebody. I've been looking at these projections that were so bad and we've never come close to the projections. Then I'm looking at countries that didn't shut down versus countries like ours that did shut down and, and the death tolls basically been just about the same. And there's really no way to explain that. And so I was growing frustrated with the people who gave us the curve. Anybody? Can I just be honest? I was growing frustrated. Like, you done the curve wrong. You, your projections were off. Come on, you shut everything down and the projections are off. And I was, I was getting frustrated with our leaders then my wife, the Lord spoke through her and, and she said, Chad, instead of being frustrated with the leaders or the, the creator of the curve, whoever you want to be frustrated with, she said, I want you to think about what it is that we've been praying for since this pandemic started. And I want you to think about what Christians around the planet have been praying for. We asked God at the start of this thing to hold back the curve. Come on, somebody. We said, Lord, don't let the projections be the projections. Don't, don't let the death toll be the death toll. Hold it back. And she said, maybe instead of being grumpy with, with some leaders, just like Israel got grumpy with Moses, Moses, how about you be grateful to God that he's given us exactly what it is we've been asking for? He's been holding back the curve. He's been protecting and he's been guiding and he's been leading and he's been providing and could it be that right now 
We are right dead smack in the midst of a mighty and incredible move and miracle of God. That it might be just about time that we start to praise in the midst of this pandemic. Because just like Israel did, they started griping, they started complaining, they started freaking out, they started pointing fingers at their leader. Listen, Moses' response, Moses' response is this in Exodus 14, verse 13. He said, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. It's good. You need only be still. Uh, it sounds like a good word, but he, he gets something wrong. I think it's the, the last few words that he gets wrong. You need only be still. You see, Moses is trying to use wisdom here, and that's a good thing. We're trying to use wisdom here. And so uh, I want you to know that, that we, can, we can use wisdom and be faith forward at the same time. That's why we're not opening our, our buildings to 10,000 people right now. Come on, how many of you know that's wisdom? So we can be wise, but we can also be faith forward and leave our homes and support the local businesses that are trying their best to reopen and, and to serve at the Dream Center and to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to make a difference for the kingdom. We, we don't have to stay shut up forever. We can't stay shut up forever. See, we can be wise and faith forward at the same time. But where Moses gets it wrong is this, faith doesn't stand still. We need only be still. No, faith doesn't stand still. Faith moves. Faith marches onward. Faith moves forward. And how do I know that? I know it because this is what the Lord said to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Step. Raise your staff. Stretch out your hand. You can't shelter in place forever. Moses, you, you need to move faith forward. You step by step, you move, I move. And, and, and Moses, don't you dare wait till you feel safe before you move. And, and don't you dare wait till you feel strong enough to move. And, and don't you dare wait till you feel confident enough to move faith forward because that's not faith, that's stacking the deck. I want you to move faith forward in spite of your fear, in spite of your worry, in spite of the challenge that's in front of you. In spite of those overwhelming and, and impossible odds, and, and, and in spite of what you see, I want you to move faith forward because when you do, you'll see something bigger than the sea that stands in front of you. You're gonna see my power like you've never seen it before. You're gonna know something about me that you've never known before. I will bless you if you don't give up. When your faith is being tested. I will bless you when you decide to trust in the Lord and, and to do good, to dwell in the land and to enjoy safe pasture when you choose to trust me. Don't wait till you feel safe, that there will always be a Pharaoh ready and willing to trade you your freedom for safety. But church, that's a, that's a safety that's not gonna last forever. It was a bum deal for Moses, it's a bum deal for you and for me. 
what we need to do is we need to acknowledge our fear, but then choose to trust God in spite of our fear and say, I will live faith forward. I will choose faith forward. I will trust in God's promise, which is this, though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. That means no matter what I face here and now, this side of heaven, not even death has the final word for those who are in Christ Jesus, who did not guarantee us safety, but he's guaranteed us salvation. For everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Would you do this with me right now? Would you bow your heads right where you're at? Come on in the nursing homes, in your prison cell, on your front porch and, and in your living room. I'm going to pray over you, then I'm going to ask you to pray with me. So right now over you, I pray this, Jesus, may, may this spirit of fear be broken in Jesus' name. We break the neck of fear. We break the neck of worry. It has no hold on us because we are filled and we are full of faith that the power of the Holy Spirit resides within us. May courage rise up in Jesus' name. May we choose faith-forward lives in Jesus' name. May your church shine brighter than it's ever shined before because you're doing a mighty work in and through your church in Jesus' name. For those of you who, you, you wanna be saved, you, you wanna know that you're forgiven, you wanna be confident that heaven is your home when you leave this earth, I want you to pray right now where you're at. And at the end of the prayer that we pray, I want you to do something. I want you to tell us that you prayed with us. So text the word Jesus to 88202. If you're about to pray this prayer, would you do that? Text Jesus to 88202. As you say, Jesus, here I am. I trust you with my whole heart, with all of my life. And I give it all to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to cleanse me from the inside out. May faith rise up inside these bones as I begin to praise in the midst of this pandemic, as I choose to put my faith in you and not in what I'm worried about. Jesus, thank you for life. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for your presence. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, would you begin to worship with us right now? Come on. Come on, he did it for me. He'll do it for you. Come on. Beauty.